With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Introducing the Lisa Chill Collection, your answer to hot nights. These mattresses beat the heat with ultra-cool covers, whisking away heat for the perfect sleep temperature. Save up to $460 on chill mattresses and get two free pillows when you shop now. iHeart listeners can save an extra $50 off by visiting lisa.com forward slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. This week on the Happy Half Hour. I don't think there's a reason to assume that they need to go all in and throw everything out in a, in a preseason game. And I, and I agree. I mean, the goal is to evaluate, stay healthy with your starters and, you know, see the fundamentals, especially with a guy like Bryce Young and all these new weapons. I mean, you look down and we talked about it, but the offense is completely different. They're still learning each other. Touchdown, Carolina! It's time for the Happy Half Hour with your friends, Kristen Balboni, Augusta Stone, and Darren Gantt. All right. Welcome to the Happy Half Hour preseason post-Spartanburg edition. Woohoo! We're back. We're happy to be home from Spartanburg. She's Augusta Stone. I'm Darren Gantt. Podcast Matt's behind the board. We may involve him at some point in this broadcast. We were, uh, if we seem a little disheveled early in this podcast, it's because we're all running a little bit late. Matt got stuck in traffic, and Augusta got stuck in one of the most common ways the Panthers Digital Network gets stuck by specialists in the cafeteria while acquiring coffee. Um, Johnny Hecker was the culprit this morning, wasn't he? Hey, to be fair, we were both walking in together, and I was in my classic quick trot I would say and then Johnny pulls up beside me you know I say hey Johnny good morning stops me he goes hey Augusta you're a writer do you play word games and I immediately was on it yes absolutely I am a devout New York Times games person and then he wants to talk about my favorite new game connections and I was about to give him some spoilers and then he stopped me he was like whoa 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 I've only looked at it I don't have the puzzle solved yet and then I had to stop myself because this morning unfortunately was a failure for me and I wanted to talk about the last two categories and how frustrating they were but he told me he would follow up so I will as Darren says do a journalism later today find Johnny ask him how his connections went because mine went very poorly this morning yeah, it's a, it's an addictive little game. I am uh, I am into that. I have found the archive. I've gone back to the June ones. Uh, I've found the bootleg <laughs> archive that New York Times doesn't actually show you yet. Uh, big wordle person, big connection person, big spelling bee person. Yes. I am I am actually a little bit. Um, I am a little bit uh, obsessive about spelling bee because I will sit there while I'm drinking coffee and will not rise from my chair until I reach the genius level each day. So it's like that's how I start my day. I, I refuse to accept amazing or nice as a benchmark. I have to get to ben- I have to get to genius before I even get out of the house. So uh, wordle person, absolutely wordle what? person, and then also, um, do you do the daily mini crossword? Do the daily mini sometimes, not as committed to that as others. What's your what's your wordle word to start with? 
Okay, so I actually rotate, which is a wild vibe. I know um, this morning I think it was risky, mm. but I like to try to get I like to try to get a Y in there early and use a multiple combinations of letters, so no repeating letters. But I do not devote myself. My mother actually starts out with stone every morning, and she is very set on that. Um, but no, what's yours? That's fair enough. And, and, and stone is a solid one. It's got most of your classic, uh, wheel of fortune letters, R S T L N E. Um, and you get the E at the end. So that's always good. And I, I usually begin each day with chaos. Uh, <laughs> that's fitting. <laughs> yeah. It, it feels like a metaphor or something for life. So Anyway, we have spent a good five minutes talking about Wordle and New York Times games because we'd rather do that than talk about the Jets game. Uh, That was not great, Bob, and I think everybody knows it. And the best thing, you know, for these guys is it is now Wednesday morning and they've got a a walkthrough practice kind of today before they get on the plane tomorrow and go to New York to face the other New York team, and I think everybody's just kind of ready to get to that one because it went so poorly last Saturday night, 27 nothing loss uh, here. First preseason shutout loss since 2000, believe it or not, for whatever that's worth, and the answer is absolutely nothing. And I think that's kind of the way they're approaching it. I mean, you don't want to minimize the fact that uh, they played poorly, and I'm not papering over the fact that it was a bad uh, decision, but preseason games ultimately meaningless. What's meaningful is some of the individual patterns that emerged during that game, and one of those patterns was the offensive line played far more poorly than they anticipated. I mean, five sacks on the night for Matt Corral, took four of them, uh, got the ball knocked loose once, sack fumble, uh, through the corral through the interception late. But quarterback play, even though that's the thing most people lock in on in the preseason, wasn't even that big a deal. But the offensive line was so far beyond the expectation they had of that group that it kind of stood out as an outlier. And that's part of the thing I think we've talked about a little bit and I've talked about with uh, some of my friends, my parents. Um, but if you looked at – if you had gone back to when we recorded this like two or three weeks ago and we were to outline maybe five or six groups that we were like, okay, let's hone in on this and see this, we thought the offensive line was pretty steady. So even past like, yes, it was – a really, really bad night for them. It was also very distant from the expectations we had because last year went so well. And I think it would be a miss to blame it all on that one right guard spot. I think James Campen talked about how, you know, everybody's being held accountable and that big meeting that you wrote about extremely well and that uh, James Campen was not in the mood to talk about uh, the details of. Um, I think that's kind of rocking them, you know, in, in a way that's going to help. I mean, I, we saw, I saw in practice yesterday a lot of different guys they were putting in that right guard spot. I think that's going to be something that a lot of people will be looking at. But it was kind of across the board just a tough day. And I think it, it might be a necessary wake-up call. You know, like, oh, we came in, you know, all these high expectations don't fall underneath the, the stone as it all falls down. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. kind of like like that. But um, I, I agree with you on the quarterback play. I've seen some people on Twitter talking about, like, oh, man, like, quarterbacks, blah, blah, blah. It's like... Especially Bryce Young. If you look at what Bryce did, Bryce wasn't bad when you think about what he was dealing with. I mean, he popped up from those three hits, counting the sack, didn't make any really poor decisions, and kind of showed that poise that we talked about. Mm -hmm. Like, he was very calm while everything in front of him kind of collapsed. And I think that's something that, you know, we we should, as much as you can surmise from what six pass attempts, I think that's kind of something you can 
you can rest on or look at and be like, okay, this was a positive amid what was going on in front of him that was not ideal, right? Right, and, and that's the thing. Right guard's going to get a lot of attention because that's the one spot that's getting rotated. Yeah. The bunch of candidates, I mean, there's basically four dudes who could end up in that job uh, next week. And Frank Reich said he wants to make a decision kind of after this game so that whoever the five's going to be has an opportunity to work in the Lions game, the final preseason game, and then through the preseason to get ready for the opener. So uh, we should have news on that fairly soon. And and having Chandler Zavala and um, Nash Jensen back Mm -hmm. on the field this week should help as part of the evaluation process. But – you know, Cade Mays wasn't out there at practice yesterday, and we'll see how things go with him. But there's still a lot of unknown with that position. That wasn't, to me, even the problem. Looking back at that game, you almost hate to say it, but Iki Aquano mm-hmm. did not have a good opening night. Uh, Iki struggled a little bit. Uh, we know he is not that kind of player based on what he showed us last year. And Campen was very... Quick to say that. I mean, he, he was kind of giving me a hard time in the press conference yesterday. He's like, I remember early in camp, Darren asking me, is Icky ever going to win a one-on-one mm-hmm. in practice? And and that was the case. Icky was getting an education early in camp uh, from Brian Burns last year, and, and he kind of settled into it. I mean, Miles Garrett got the better of him in the opener. There were some struggles early on for Icky, but Icky settled into a groove where I think this – year is going to be a different challenge though is second half of last year when they were just teeing it up and running it 50 times a game that's built for Iki Aquano. that's his game he wants to lean on people be aggressive he's great in the run game he struggled with those pass rushers from the Jets the other night and I think that's something he's got to get cleaned up a little bit too because obviously this offense is going to be different. I do, you know, everybody likes to say, oh, we don't know what the offense is going to look like. We're not calling the pre, you know, regular season offense in the preseason. I do not anticipate 50 rushing attempts per game no. uh, from Frank Reich and Thomas Brown this year. I just don't think that's the direction this thing's heading. So it's incumbent on Icky to be a little more polished. And, and I think this Giants game, they've still got some good – uh, players in their front seven. And, and Wink Martindale, their coordinator, is kind of known for bringing people from different directions, doing a lot of stuff to try to create confusion. So I, I think this game ought to be a pretty good barometer for what they're actually going to be. Now, we'll see how how it all develops. And if they fix everything in the preseason and they beat the Giants 27 nothing, that does not mean all is well heading into the opener any more than – Losing to the Jets 27 nothing meant the sky is falling. So I, I think it's important to keep preseason games in their appropriate context. Exactly. And I had a question for you just out of curiosity, and I'm going to preface this with um, this week specifically. I know Morgan Jenkins, who works in our website management side, uh, helps us out with a lot of the streaming and stuff. She was talking about, oh, my goodness, all the questions about this vanilla generic offense. Like they, this is a storyline that – People are eating up right now, and we Frank called it himself generic, and then the word vanilla got floated around somehow. And so generic, vanilla, whatever you want to call it, like you've said in, in uh, some of our conversations, vanilla is delicious and wonderful, and there's no reason to have a negative connotation with it. But when you hear a lot of that talk, what what is your, I guess, not concern level or your how much stock you place in Frank going up there saying, we called a generic game 
Thomas Brown yesterday saying we're not trying to necessarily show everything generic in the preseason in terms of evaluation. What right. is your thought on that, Darren? Well, basically, Frank let Thomas Brown call the plays in the second half the other night, which, A, is really good for Frank and good for Thomas yes. as, he, as he develops as a play caller and as a coach in the league. I think you've seen different instances. Mike Vrabel let Terrell Williams, his assistant head coach, call basically be the head coach for their first preseason game. And I think as you give guys opportunities, that's important. It's cool that Thomas got to order for himself. He was ordering off the kids' menu. I mean, I I don't know the specific number, but the play sheet that was available to those guys going into the game, let's just say it was very limited. You know, and if they have, you know, X to the 10th power on the play sheet for the Falcons game in the opener – it's about X in this game. I mean, they are not operating with a full deck of cards. They're, I mean, I don't even want to hazard a guess at how few plays they were actually choosing from, but it's not a lot. And I think because of that, you know, they were just trying to get some of the fundamental stuff together, let Bryce get them in and out of the huddle, throw a few passes, get out of that game clean. And, you know, they would have hoped it went a little better than that, but yeah, I just think that they are so – and Frank even said he's going to err on the side of not showing anything because, you know, I, I think there is a temptation. You want a good result. You want guys to be able to move the ball down the field. But it's more important to them to, A, get out of the preseason healthy, B, not, you know, tip their hand for those two division games. And, and again, I think that's kind of an important point because this division has always seemed to be one full of – Wordle, word of the day, chaos. <laughs> so nine and eight is typically going to have you in contention in this division. So I, I think from that standpoint, those first two games against Falcons and Saints, you want to have them guessing as much as you possibly can. So they're just not going to show a bunch of stuff. Exactly. And that's what Frank talked about specifically after the game, especially in the context of, like you said, those early division games. I mean, starting out at Atlanta, and then I think it's the Saints right afterward on Monday, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you're thinking about the schedule – I mean, that's back-to-back, and you don't want to you don't want to show your cards one, and you also want to look very good in those two because they are so important, the way the schedule was arranged. Um, but, no, I, I agree. I think, I think it also is a testament to what we've seen from Frank since he got here about how he just kind of methodically and reg, in a regiment kind of way, you know, goes about things. There's not a ton of panic from him, even though they lost 27 to nothing in a preseason game, which, I mean, I put as much stock in preseason games as you do and as most people should of just like, okay, it's an evaluation process and there's going to be points on the board, but that's not really the point. And I agree that um, when you think about it in the context of Thomas Brown calling the plays in the second half, obviously that's going to, I mean, naturally you're building trust right there. You're building a foundation. So you don't start throwing out everything. And maybe, you know, I think Thomas Brown may have alluded to a little bit, you know, spicing up a smidge, but it's not like he's throwing in, you know, a whole bunch of strawberries and syrups next week into his vanilla ice cream. You know, maybe they'll have a sprinkle of cinnamon perhaps, or maybe they'll just leave it like that. But I don't think there's a reason to to assume that they need to go all in and throw everything out just to, you know, in a, in a preseason game. And I, and I agree. I mean, the goal is to evaluate, stay healthy with your starters and kind of, you know, see the fundamentals, especially with a guy like Bryce Young and all these new weapons. I mean, you look down and we talked about it, but the offense is completely different. They're still learning each other. And I think that's part of the part of what we need to focus on as well, because we still have a little bit less than a month till September 10th. First game and my birthday. Yeah, so. <laughs> and, and and you know what? Your birthday aside, um, God, 
the um, we we could talk about ice cream flavors. We could talk about birthday presents. We could talk about any number of things. Now, I mean, seriously, the preseason in the NFL, it's basically get out of it healthy, yep. learn individual things about individual people. I was just sitting here thinking, and it, you know, because my brain is the way it is, I was trying to think of the most memorable preseason moments in Panthers history, and. You know, you could talk about individual plays or games or certain people you saw. The one thing that sticks out in my mind, because the last preseason shutout was in Pittsburgh in Three Rivers Stadium, which no longer exists, Mm. in 2000, I got to thinking about games in Pittsburgh. And Steelers-Panthers used to be the preseason finale every year. And I, one of my fondest preseason memories was the day the Panthers had a young defensive tackle named Biliami Maumau which I liked saying a whole lot. And in one of those games at Pittsburgh, Viliami Maumau once tackled Chris Fuamata Maafala. And that was a lot of fun for me, and I remember that (laughs) fondly. I hope you got to talk about that on the radio a whole lot. Yeah, I just liked saying (laughs) Viliami Maumau. Where's he at now? How's he doing? I have no idea. We should probably look him up. That could be a research question. Uh, for Podcast Matt over there. He could find Viliami Maumau for us and see if he's doing. I hope he's doing well. I hope we haven't made sport of the fact that he had a name full of vowels and he tackled a man with even more vowels in his name. But, um, yeah, you know. Uh, preseason, preseason, preseason. I think it is It is kind of that last slog. You know, we get out of Spartanburg. We're feeling thrilled, you know, back in Charlotte. And now we're like, okay, you know, get through it, like you said, healthy and all that, and then you get to the first game. I think I think they were kind of in that lull right now of just right. trying to trying to see what, what they got. And also, I thought about it this way, but I don't know, we would be anticipating some cutdowns at this point, and now right. it's all at once. So it's kind of not slowed down, but I guess from our perspective – Sort of, sort of given a time where training camp's like, whoa, everyone's in front of us, and now there is that roster. They're going to figure it out, and then it all goes at once versus right. whenever it kind of trickled. I think that's kind of what we'd be focusing on. Yeah, right now. the league changed the rules this year. Instead yep. of having a cut to eighty-five, eighty, you know, et cetera, et cetera, it, there's one cut down day. Yep. this year, and it's August 29th, Tuesday a week, uh, when you've got to take your roster from ninety to. The, the, the quote-unquote final 53, even though that's always in a little bit of flux. Uh, I don't anticipate. I mean, my guess is you'll see teams start kind of parting ways with some guys maybe early next week. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know that teams will necessarily still carry 90. They can if they want to. But my guess is you'll start to see some guys filtering away early on just because if there's a guy you know is not making the roster – you know, is it worth the risk of carrying him into a game, that kind of thing. So I, I think teams will begin that process gradually. But, yeah, cut-down day on the 29th is going to be a big dramatic difference. I mean, personnel guys around the league basically are going to be looking at an extra 300 names in what's a chaotic day for them. And there's that word again. So we, um, you know, we can we can get to that. Next week on the happy half hour, as we get closer to the season, we're going to be on a little bit more regular schedule for you guys with all our stuff, with mailbags, with happy half hours. And we've got some new stuff coming this year uh, with some new people and different things coming in. So it's going to be an interesting season. What what else you got, Matt? Are, Are you dialing up Jordan and Jake over there? Are they... 
Yeah, we were doing Jordan Jake uh, this afternoon after you guys, and then I looked up Mau Mau, and I not <laughs> if assuming I spelled it correctly, there's not a lot of information on what he's up to. That's right. That's all right. There wasn't a lot of information on his career. He wasn't here terribly long, but he did have a wonderful name, and uh, we remember him fondly from tackling Chris Fuamata Maafala. <laughs> Darren, I had a question for you Hit me. about um, we we had talked about the preseason game, and obviously a lot of the guys that were getting a ton of time there aren't guys we necessarily talk about a lot. Is there anyone in particular, especially through that second half, that you were like, huh? You know, he could lobby for a spot on that roster. I think one of the, if anybody stood out to me, and it's and again, this is kind of a dangerous game to play it because is. when you go down when you go down that road of trying to project roles for people who may not even be on the 53. The one guy, I, I kind of figured he's going to be on the roster, but Eric Rowe stood out. He is a guy who is making a couple big hits. He is going to – he's a little bit like Camus Grugier-Hill. He is probably going to be on this roster as a core special teams player, but he can make some plays on defense. I mean, this guy's been around the block and, and played on some good defenses and been a part of things that matter so seeing him step up and make some plays kind of reminds you okay even though Jamie Robinson's a guy they've got some long-term hopes for they like the the potential he shows he's Rose probably your third safety and he's that guy who if anything happened to Von Bell or Xavier Woods could step in and, and keep you at that same kind of level that same smart veteran in the back who's going to be um who's going to be capable and able to step in. But he put a shot on a guy out here the other night that I think he still might be feeling. <laughs> and and Roe is, you know, he's an interesting cat. Every team's got a couple of those guys. And because of all the turnover on this roster this offseason, some of those names you're used to seeing, those usual special teamers, whether in the last couple of years it was a Sean Chandler or a Brandon Zilstra before that, they're going to be new guys in those roles. And Camus and Eric, I think, are going to be a couple of those this year who are going to be out there uh, creating a little chaos with Sam Franklin and the boys. Absolutely. Well, I was going to talk about Sam Franklin just because, you know, we I don't think we've heard a ton about him from a defensive standpoint because he is the special teams guy and he has his role there. But he was kind of, if you look at that, if I look at the game from the Panthers' point of view, there were really a couple of plays specifically on defense where you're like, Oh, yeah, like getting pumped. Like I think about the Barno sack. That right. was a big deal. And then I think about the Franklin pick. And that was really exciting for him. I mean, seeing him make a play on defense, I think, was was pretty big. And that was late in the game. But you don't think of – I mean, you just mentioned, you know, backup safeties. And Eric Rowe is a guy – we saw him a ton. I saw him a lot um, during training camp. He was out there a ton. He got a ton mm-hmm. of looks. Um, so you could tell that they were – you know, checking him out. But um, no, I thought Sam Franklin getting getting the pick. I mean, you look at kind of the, the lone flash points, um, two of them, Barno and Franklin. Uh, Barno specifically with that sack, I mean, I tweeted about it, but I didn't see a ton, um, you know, come in during training camp and he just sort of flash and uh, I got that cool celebration. Yeah. We have a cool photo of it. I've seen a couple times. Uh, but yeah, he. Uh, I, I think he was a guy that was a that was a positive spot. And there was. I don't know if there was necessarily any point where. Oh my goodness, would he make the roster? Because you know he's just coming off the draft last year. But um, I mean, he he looked he looked good. Sam Sam's such an interesting cat. Anyway, I mean, <laughs> there are a couple things about Sam. Number one, he's high energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he lives to play special teams. He started to get recognized league wide as one of those guys. Yep. Every team's got that one. I mean, and there there are people like Matthew Slater in New England who have made a 15-plus year career out of just being a special teamer. Sam's on the verge of becoming one of those cats who can 
just impact the game so much that they keep him around, even though he doesn't have a well-defined role on offense or defense. Mm-hmm. Sam's also borderline insane, but in the best <laughs> way. He uh, Sam is an agitator. Sam is a agent of chaos. Sam is a. I'm going to use that word as much as I can in this podcast. It's a we should do. Word. We should do a count. Uh, we'll get Matt to add in a sound effect every time I say it. Ding. Um, or it's like R.I.P. Pee Wee Herman. Paul Rubens died the other week, so in honor of Pee Wee, chaos is our word of the day. <laughs> ah! Take a sip of water every time Darren says chaos. At any rate. Um, <laughs> but no, Sam is an agitator, and Sam is great at getting under the skins of opponents. One of my favorite parts of the joint practices was when they were doing punt drills, watching Sam get under the skin of all the Jets. And I walked past him after that practice that afternoon in Spartanburg, and I said, Sam, just out of curiosity, how many almost fights did you get in? And he kind of laughed, and he said, maybe one, maybe more than that. (laughs) You know, and he kind of – he exists to stir things up in the special team. So he's he's a fun guy to watch during those settings and and seeing him make a pick. I mean – Sam made some plays late last year when he had to play a little defense, too. So he is a guy who can do some things. And I think that's kind of what you're trying to learn in in the preseason. I mean, you've got a general sense right now of what the starting lineup's going to look like. I, I think you're trying to figure out what those depth pieces are and how you put together. Because Chris Tabor and the special teams basically have to work with leftovers. I mean, his job is like being a chef on chopped i mean he, you get the mystery basket and you got to make a meal out of it because you never know what you're getting until that roster set going into the opener and you know i think when you go through guys like franklin Rowe, Camus, those are going to be some of his core pieces and then after that it's your guess as good as mine because everything is on the table at that point i i do think there's the possibility for some degree of change in this roster because there's some spots that they're still looking at honestly um trying to improve this roster, going through final cuts and that kind of stuff. So, But for the most part, you're looking for your, your depth guys. You're trying to figure out who players 23 through 53 are on this roster. Yeah, or probably 26 through 53 because specialists we've got a pretty good idea about. <laughs> so speaking of specialists, I think it's almost time to head downstairs for a cup of coffee with J.J. Jansen. Uh, he will doubtless be in front of the coffee machine because I think he takes in about eight cups a day. And that will occupy the rest of our morning, I believe. And one, It will definitely get us to lunchtime. And one thing about J.J. Jansen, I remember this from camp, but he is a hot coffee like devotee. He All doesn't do it iced. Nope. He, he will criticize your ice and say you need to drink it hot. And it'll be 90 degrees. I remember move-in day. I have my iced coffee, and he's over here like, what are you doing? I'm like, JJ, we're in Spartanburg. It's 85 degrees at yeah. 8 a.m. Hot coffee guy, and he will definitely be there, and that will take you he, to 12. He easily. is a traditionalist. <laughs> he is a hot coffee black guy, uh, just like me. The thicker, the better. Uh, mm. Give me a good cup of truck stop black. I'm not, you know, I know you're an experimenter with many. You know, your coffee label over there is about the <laughs> length of many of the stories I write. It's That's got a lot of words on it. What does that say? Okay, so it's very specific as well. This is a medium iced with two liquid cane sugar and almond milk, and um, it originally comes with three, but I figured out the perfect formula. You only need two of the pumps. 
So this is about as specifically odd as it gets. And I hate, I, I love doing it on the app because on the app they don't ask you questions. When you walk up and the and the nice barista is like, what do you like? And you tell them specifically pump number, they kind of wince. So, but I am very specific. So I fear. <laughs> as podcasters go, Matt, are we higher maintenance or lower maintenance than Jordan and Jake? Than the two prima donna superstars, you guys are definitely more low maintenance. Okay. Well, that coffee order of hers makes me wonder. And, but I'm and, not the one having to fill the order, though. So that, that, <laughs> that's fair. So so for your podcast needs, we are low maintenance. Yes. For your coffee needs, you do not want to see young Augusta Yes, if I was a barista, I would not want that, no. Yeah, I'd be like, I'm going to be out on my break. I'm I'll, I'll see you. I'll be having a smoke on the, <laughs> on the loading dock when she comes walking in the door. But... Uh, Yeah. So anyway, all right. I think that's as good a place to leave this thing as any other. We avoided talking about the Jets game as much as we could. We talked coffee orders, ice cream flavors, New York Times word games, and embraced the chaos of it all. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. 